Welcome to the Cosmos in You podcast, where we interview scientists, philosophers, and leading thinkers to discuss the nature of our reality and the impact it has on our daily lives. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cosmos in You podcast. This is your host, Susanna Scully. Thank you so much for being here today. Now, if you are tuning in for the first time and did not listen to part one of this recording, I highly recommend you go back and take a listen to part one because I don't think, well, actually I know part two will not make sense unless you listen to part one. So press stop, go back, listen to part one, then come back and join us again for part two. Um, So I won't do too much reiterating, um, except give a quick little reminder of who we are interviewing today. Again, we are interviewing Tom Campbell. And again, this is part two of the interview we did before. He is a physicist, lecturer, and author of My Big Toe Trilogy, which is again, the theory of everything. So here is where we continue our conversation and get even deeper into these complex concepts. But that really, what I love about Tom is that he applies it truly to our daily lives, which as you know, if you listen to Cosmos and You, this is what I want is that we have these, you know, crazy physics things or metaphysics or, you know, sometimes called new age concepts. But with somebody like Tom, who has such credibility in terms of being a physicist and what he has studied, and he's able to explain them in a way and simplify it where you can go about your everyday situations and truly make your life better uh, applying these principles. So that's what I find really, really exciting about this. And we get even more into this in this second episode. So in this episode, we discuss what the movie the and the book, The Secret, got wrong about manifesting and how manifesting actually works. This is something I was always curious to ask a physicist. So this was exciting for me. The two emotions that life comes down to and how to pick the right one. And finally, the role that probability plays in our life and how to use acceptance to our advantage. I could have gone on forever with Tom, um, but um, I hope you really enjoy this. Let me know your thoughts. Tweet me, email me, Facebook message me. Uh, Again, if you're not a part of the community, I would love for you to join us on Facebook or Twitter. And it's all at the handle Cosmos and You. So without further ado, let's jump in. Now, what about when you think about, you know, terms like manifesting and, you know, your thoughts create your reality and things such as that? How does that play into this? Okay. Well, the way that works is that part of this virtual reality is, well, the way that the way the virtual reality works is that there are these databases and people from the Hindu culture would call this the Akashic Records, but they're just databases. And you have a future probable database, which is everything that could possibly happen, you know, given all the choices that you that you could make and what is likely to happen. Okay, mm-hmm. So it's everything could possibly happen and some probability that it will happen. So everything that's in your decision space 
plus even all the things, I guess, that, well, I guess just everything in your decision space. You, those are all the possible choices you can make because you don't know about any other choices other than the ones in your decision space. So all of those and the probability that you'll do it. Well, the probability comes from your history. You've been making these choices through many, many lifetimes. So the system can kind of guess at what you're likely to do next. So it comes up with this overall probable future. And it can do this. It says, well, the next delta T, this is a simulation. So it's driven by time, a time loop. So the next little increment of time, what is, you know, what are all the possibilities and what's the most likely? And then given that that is going to happen the way I predicted it, what next delta T, you know, what am I going to predict? And I can predict this out just as far as I want. Of course, the further out you predict it, the, you know, the rattier the answers get because you're basing it all on the assumption that the first one, you know, is going to work the way you want. People have free will. They don't have to do what's, what they're predicted to do. They can do something else. So anyway, we have this, this database, which is the future probable reality, and it's just the probability of certain of specific future events happening, right? And as they, as the time moves forward, as the delta T goes goes forward, then what was in the probable future database becomes a past database. It's all the things that could have happened and the probability, you know, that they would have happened. And in that past database, base, there's a thread, which is what we actually did. That's our history. Mm-hmm. That's the stuff we actually did. All right. Now, your intent can modify future probability. That is set up in this game. It's necessary because it gives us feedback. You know, we're this, this, this game we're in is really a learning lab. It's like a, you know, like you have pilots, have uh, pilot trainers, mm-hmm. uh, simulations where they get to pretend they're a pilot. They sit in a cockpit that isn't really a cockpit, but it's just a simulator and they learn how to do dangerous stuff like how do you land a plane when the engines blow up you know that sort of thing you can't take people in real planes and you know have them them do these exercises you know that's not a good idea so you have them do it in in virtual reality trainers well we're in a virtual reality entropy reduction trainer and and uh, that's you know how you can think of this of this reality and we need feedback so one of the feedbacks we get is that our intent modifies future probability. So if you have something that that in the future that you would like to be a certain way, you can use your intent to increase the probability that it'll turn out that way. That's how the placebo effect works. The placebo effect is an effect that if you give somebody a sugar pill and tell them it's a wonderful new, you know, medicine that's going to make their kidney stop hurting, well, about 35% of the people who take it, their kidney will stop hurting. That's a placebo effect. It actually, their kidney heals. It gets better. Why? Because they now have an intent, a belief, if you will, an intent that they've got this medicine. This is the answer. It's worked on everybody that's taken it so far. You know, it's going to work for me. And just that positive intent can change the probability of the state of that kidney. Remember, it's a virtual kidney. So their in, their intent can modify that. That's how a bunch of people who have a big picnic coming up two weeks from now on a Saturday, you know, they can help it be a sunny day rather than a rainy day by putting positive intent into that event. Or you can have a parking place appear for you, uh, you know, where you're going to drive into a congested area 
if you use your intent to focus on it. Now, it works the other way, too. If you have a negative intent, oh, no, it's, it might rain. You know, what if it rains on my picnic? Mm-hmm. Well, that is then raising the probability that it will rain on your picnic because you are putting energy into that possibility. So that boils down to we make our own reality to some extent just by our intents, by what we think, by the intentions and the energy we put into those intentions helps things come out that way. So, you know, there's a, there's a thing out about, uh, what was it called? The secret. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Um, we can't think of the other name of that, but anyway, that's basically the idea they were talking about. So that actually does work, but it's not the way they thought. It's not the matter that you wish. It's the matter that you have to have a focused intent that means you get rid of the noise. And if you have an intent that is towards your growth, your entropy reduction, your raising your evolving your consciousness quality, then the system will tend to help you. Otherwise, it doesn't. If you're if your intent is something that you want to, you know, take charge and control something so you can force it to be the way you want at everybody else's expense, then The system isn't going to help you. You still may be able to do that, but the system isn't going to help you work that because it's not something that you're going to evolve from. You're going to de-evolve from it. Also, you're just modifying the probability. So if it were a a thousand to one that this was going to happen and you put your intent and you work on it real hard and you reduce that down to only a hundred and one, well, that's a lot. You've changed it, you know, a whole order of magnitude. You changed it by a factor of 10, but it's still unlikely to happen. Mm, you see, yeah, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you can make anything happen. You want to happen. It just means you modify the probability. You make it more likely or less likely to happen based on your intent. So we know people who are generally very positive and up, and you know they generally have very positive up life, very positive and up lives. <laughs> Things happen for them. They just work out. Everything's kind of good. And we know people who are always miserable, they're victims, everything doesn't work, they're unhappy, they're miserable, they're always in pain. And things just happen to those people that, you know, I mean, if they walk out in the street, somebody will drive by and splash mud on them. That's just the way it is. You know, their their life is full of annoyance because they create that by their negative attitudes. So if your life isn't, you know, if your life sucks... Well, it's partly because you are encouraging that. <laughs> right, right. That, that negative attitude that we talked about, all these negative mm-hmm. things that are a result of the fear, that helps create, it manifests the fear. Mm. So if you are really, really worried that your children are going to become drug addicts, so you lock them in a closet and don't let them go out and socialize because you're afraid they'll get in with the wrong crowd, well, you will drive them to become drug addicts by doing that, you see? You, you create what you fear. So that fear pushes negative energy into those things happening and increases the probability of that negative thing happening. Or if you're happy and you're positive and you're accepting and you're not a victim, then you start putting energy into things that are positive. So that's why when, like I said earlier, that if you are a being of love, if it really is about other people and you're not trying to control, you find out your life is terrific. It's full of joy. You don't need to control because if there's something that really needs to happen, it just happens. 
And if it doesn't happen, well, you realize you really didn't need it. Mm. So it's acceptance just all, again, acceptance. Yeah. Uh-huh. And does this go to sort of coming back to the physics? Does this go to the observer effect? Um, is that a similar way to think about it? That not entirely. A particle? No, okay. not entirely. It's 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 different. You know, part of the observer effect is 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 generated. We talk about it. It requires consciousness. You know, a conscious observer. You know, before. The particle manifests in this reality. Right? That's kind of quantum physics. That it's the observer that manifests potential particles into actual particles by making a measurement. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's how it comes out in the in the uh, like double slit experiment. Well, what's going on there is that this is a virtual reality, and the measurement is basically the consciousness. Asking a question, he wants to make a measurement. You know, how long is this? You know, how well, how much does it weigh? Uh, is there a particle there? Well, when it asks the question, it sends that to the computer. It says, "Computer, I'm going to measure right over here. Is there a particle there?" Okay. Well, if I make a measurement, then the system has to give me an answer. It has to give me a yes, there is, or a, no, there isn't. It can't just say, oh, "I don't know." You know, that's not allowed. You it's know? one or zero kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can go tell the elf jump. Well, the elf either you know jumps or doesn't. You know, it gets. You have to. You have this one to one thing going on. Well, the reason that consciousness is a uh, the observer is important is because until the measurements made, there's the, and the questions asked, the system doesn't send any data to you know change the picture to mm. add something to the picture. In other words, until. Until the consciousness asks the question, is there a particle here? Then there is no particle there. It's just a potential particle until the measurement's made. So that was, uh, uh, remember Schrodinger's cat, mm-hmm. a bunch of cats in boxes, and then you rig up some kind of awful thing that, uh, you know, that there's a, a, a probability, though not real high, but a, a probability that the cat will die over time because of, of, a particle that gets projected and hits something that releases poison and so on. It's a kind of nasty thing. But anyway, Schrodinger had that <laughs> uh, idea. And what he was, what the point was, he was actually making fun of, a, of the system uh, when he did that. He was doing it kind of tongue in cheek. But the point is that reality is neither this way or that way. It's only potential until you make the measurement. The idea is the cat is neither dead or alive until you look in the box. You see, when you look in the, when you look in the box, the system must render. That's a measurement. So I look in the box. That's a measurement and the system has to render to you a cat and the cat will be either dead or alive. So the system does that when you look before you look, there's no information for you to know how the cat is. You see, so the cat actually is in a, is in a potential state of being neither dead nor alive, just in a potential state of being until the measurement's made. When the measurement's made, then you get one or the other. Now, let's say it was a one, you know, the, the probability is that, that every hour, you know, at least one of the cats die because that's how often the trigger will be hit mm-hmm. that lets the poison out. Mm-hmm. Well, that means if you started with 10 cats, that after uh, nine hours, there's only maybe a probability of just one cat, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Being alive. Well, that means that if you suddenly opened all the doors, you'd find one cat alive. 
because that's the, you know, that's the probability. So that happens. So if that's when you open the doors, then the probability would be one that you find one. Let's say you waited for 20 hours and you opened the doors. Now the probability of finding a live cat may maybe be only one in 500, but it doesn't mean it's impossible. And when you open the doors, you'll find out. And the way that works is that the the system, to tell you whether that cat's dead or alive, the system looks at the probability. What are the possibilities? In this case, it's dead or alive, a one or a zero. And it takes a random draw. As you open the door and look, the system takes a random draw between that one and a zero, and it gets one. That's what you see. Okay? Mm-hmm. But that probability distribution that you're making that draw from is aware of what the probability is of, you know, of the cat's being dead or alive. So that's the way the system works. That's the way quantum mechanics works. That's the way, you know, it works, you know, in our life. If you look into, instead of quantum mechanics with little things, let's look at big things, and then I'll tell you what they have in common. So if an astronomer looks into the sky and some part of the sky that nobody's ever looked at before, because he's got a bigger telescope than anybody's ever looked through, so he's now going to look in this part of the sky, well, there may be a thousand things it could be in that part of the sky. And the system looks at all the probability of all 1,000, makes a distribution, and when the guy pops his eye into the eyepiece and gets his camera ready to take the picture, the system takes a random draw out of that probability distribution, and that's what the guy sees. Now, the next time somebody looks, they're going to see the same thing. Once it comes here, then it's here. You can't open up, say, oh, the cat's dead, Mm -hmm. close the door, and open it again, expect it to be something different, right? Once it's here... In this reality, it's here. So once the measurement's made, then it, it's that way, and everybody else will get the same measurement. Now, what are the things? What are they in common between the guy looking at the at the stars and the guy looking for a particle in the double slit experiment? Is that there's a lot of uncertainty. That's the key thing. You see, because he was looking in a new part of space, then there was a lot of uncertainty about what could be there. There was a lot of potential answers, a lot of possibilities. And he gets just one of those, and after that, that's what he gets. It's the fact that there was multiple answers. There was there was uh, uh, uncertainty as to what the answer would be. Same with the particle. These particles are so small, and they move fast, and we don't know where they are. You see? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of uncertainty. So when we take a, a measurement, we either get a particle or we don't. And we'll get it based on the probability of the whole system, you know, the way the experiment's being run. So that's what's going on. And our our world works that way. Uh, anytime you do something that has a lot of uncertainty to it, mm-hmm. now that's why it works good with the placebo effect works. And that's why you can use your mind to heal. Because in, a, in healing and in biology, there's lots of uncertainty. All kinds of strange things happen. People have stage four cancer with you know, two weeks to live, and before the two weeks are up, they don't have any cancer at all. Doesn't happen often. Mm-hmm. It's maybe the one in the 10,000, but it happens. So there's all this uncertainty. And where there's uncertainty, that gives you a, pro- a possibility of moving that probability. You see, remember, use your intent to move probability. Yes. Well, if you have the more uncertainty you have, the easier it is to move the probability. The less uncertainty you have, the more constraints you have, in other words, the harder it is to move that 
probability. Because if it's a one in two, it's a 50, 50 chance, your intent is not going to shift it that much because it's already one in two. If it's a 50, 50 chance, then you can, you can bias that and make it a, you know, very easily. 80, 20 or whatever. And make it an 80, 20 perhaps. And that's good. Now you've got a pretty good chance of coming out with the 80 instead of the 20. Mm. So four times, you know, more likely to do that. So you can do that shift. But if, if it's, if there's very little uncertainty, you know, that's, that's when we have these high probabilities. The probability that this is going to be this way is, is one, you know, is 10,000 to one. You see, now that's not much uncertainty. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's going to happen, right? It's really, it's really going to be a, a miracle if that thing doesn't happen. Now, because there's so little uncertainty, there's so few choices, then that's very likely things going to happen. So if we, you know, if we uh, look at the world that way, we realize that we are co-creators in this world. Our intent, our quality, the way we, you know, our fear or our love, all of this is part of the co-creation process. When we look out at, at the world today and we read the newspapers and we see the, the nightly news and we see all the destruction, the fear, the, you know, the greed, the nastiness, the trying to control, and we see all that, that's because that's the way we are. That's a reflection of us. That's a reflection of the quality of consciousness on average in the world. That's who we are. So that's why we see all that. That's not just that there's bad people in control. That's because those bad people are a reflection of us. Yeah. And so, so we, when you're making change, it starts with you. You Exactly. Yeah, yeah. If you want to change that, if yeah. you want the world to be a better place, you change yourself because yeah. you are the only person you can change. You can't change anybody else. Change has to come from the inside out. Yeah. Growth has to come from the inside out. So that's the most that you can do. And if you were able to reach up and say, change leadership, say, mm-hmm. all right, we'll get rid of this nasty dictator and we'll put on a nice person there. What would happen is that in time, it'll go right back to the way it was. Yeah. Because if you don't change the level of fear and love in the general population in the world, then it'll just recreate itself. Yeah. So all of those things about, you know, let's change the change the leadership or change this or change that. They're all symptomatic changes. These are the symptoms of fear that we're changing. We're not changing the cause. So to change the cause, you can change yourself. That's all you can do. Now, you can help somebody else grow up by giving them an environment that makes it easier for them to make choices that are moving toward love. And generally, that's a more secure environment where they can let some of their fear go because they feel so very secure. So now with a significant other, how do you get that significant other to, uh, to, to uh, get rid of their fear and change by giving them such love that they feel so secure that they can stretch out a little bit and take chances that they can take chances with their own fear and grow a little bit. That's how you give them that that uh, ability. So as you are positive and you're happy and you're full of joy, you help pull all the people up that interact with you because when they're around you, they feel a little better and a little lighter. 
and uh, you help pull them up. And when you're negative and full of fear, you pull everybody down that you interact with because that's, that's another thing I haven't mentioned. All individuated units of consciousness are netted. We all communicate with each other. We're all on the, I call the, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the network, the reality wide web. And we kind of have a group think going. We all influence each other. So if you're in a group that is very negative, you'll start to become more negative too. If you're in a group that's positive, you'll start to become more positive. We share our thoughts and our attitudes and our feelings with this network. You know, in the in the new age world, they say that's vibes. You know, I'm picking up on your vibe. Mm-hmm. I'm on your wavelength. I'm getting your frequency and this sort of thing. But we basically communicate non-physically, consciousness to consciousness, all the time. And as we become members of a group, you see, that group affects us. So every group has its own gestalt. It has its own archetype. Ecosystem, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, and it doesn't matter what, even the group that's your family, you know, or the group, if you work for, you know, if you work for IBM, then you start to wear clothes like everybody at IBM wears. You start to think thoughts and take on the characteristics of all those people. And there's kind of a culture there at IBM that is very noticeable. And if you really were into that sort of thing, doing that analysis, you could tell, you know, who worked for IBM and who didn't just by the way they dressed, the way they talked, uh, the sense of humor they had and other things. That's why we have these crazy things like uh, beanie babies and hula hoops. You know, it's the, the excitement over it spreads. So we get fads because the, the excitement and interest over something, it's even just a little sack full of, you know, full of beans. Uh, people get real excited about it. That's because other people are excited about it. That's where the, that's where Jung's archetypes come from. It's this kind of group think as we are parts of organizations, we share with the mental energy that defines that organization. Oh man, there's so much here. And I just, I'm, uh, Tom, this is so good. <laughs> this is, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm only going to have to rush because I have to now. I've been just so in, in, in enraptured in the conversation, but I love this sort of take, my takeaway from it all is this idea of empowerment, that you are empowered to make choices in this world and that mm-hmm. you make choices out of love and not out of fear and that to pay attention to what triggers you and to, again, take that empowerment to see what the fear is. And then the change, again, it starts with you that it will affect the whole ecosystem around you. Yes, oh. it does. It does. And, you know, that, that, that organization, like I say, can be as small as a family. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and you still, you have groupthink. If you're feeling uneasy and not too good because you feel like you're not getting what you need, well, that negative feeling makes everybody feel more like they're not getting what they need and they're all feeling a little standoffish and uh, it just makes the situation degenerate, you see? So if other people are feeling maybe they're not getting what they need, but your feelings as happy as can be and full of joy, you'll help those other people become happier and full of joy and things will start to resolve themselves. So it's not just about you, but getting yourself straight, getting rid of your fear starts to help the whole system grow up. So that's the most significant thing you can do is to get rid of your own fear. That will do more to make, you know, world peace and, and, uh, 
you know, get rid of world hunger than anything else that you could do. Just grow up. And besides that, it'll make your life full of joy. What, <laughs> what, what could be better than that? Who doesn't want that? Yeah. Well, Tom, thank you so much for your wisdom, your insight, the research, all of the work that you have been doing and continue to do. I'm incredibly grateful and can't wait for our audience to listen to this. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. You're welcome, Susanna. And uh, the neat thing about all of this stuff is it isn't really philosophy, it's science. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's fact-based. Yeah. Well, and for everybody who wants to learn more, check out his book, My Big Toe, or website, and I'll have this all in the show notes, which is my-big-toe.com. But again, I'll put that in the show notes for everybody. For more information, please go check okay. out. One other thing, I'm going to be in uh, California. You're in California. Yes, That's I'm in the Bay Area. The, yeah, I'm going to be in the L.A. area doing a program a two-day program in October. Oh, great. So if any of your listeners would like to come, then everybody's welcome. Perfect. Uh, you can find out about it at, um, well, MBT Events would be a good place to start. And then the program itself has its own website. And I'm afraid I can't tell you that off the top of my head. But if you go to <laughs> www.mbtevents.com, and uh, they'll tell you about what's happening in the future. And this coming October, I'm going to be there and put on a two-day program, discuss all the things we just talked about, but in a lot more detail. Wonderful. All right, great. Well, thank you, Tom, again, and look forward to talking soon. Okay, thank you, Susanna. Thanks, Tom. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did, and I would love to continue the conversation with each of you over at our Facebook page, which is facebook.com backslash Cosmos in you, or our Twitter page. The Twitter handle also is Cosmos in you. And of course, at our website, Cosmos in Again, thank you so much for listening in. I'm so grateful to each of you to be able to share this shared passion and look forward to seeing you next time.